0: Hello everyone, good morning. I'm so glad that you're with us today and I hope you're doing well. My name's Brennan, I'm a pastor here at Eaglemont and uh, we're gonna continue working through our Colossians series. Today we're in Colossians 2, 6 to 15. If you wanna open up your Bibles and follow along with me. Um, I'm just gonna read through the verses today if you wanna follow along. Starting in verse six. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, "...strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands." Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross." And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So uh, a couple months ago when when we were looking forward to this series and, um, you know, I was was, was planning and I just, I really thought I was going to focus on verses six and seven, uh, which say, let's read them again for you. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See, I went, I went with the sermon title Immovable originally, if you saw it on a poster or the website, uh, because I just, I love the image of being rooted, of being planted in Jesus, you know, in what is right and not being swayed by what's going on around us, but being rooted in Jesus. And I love the idea and the imagery of a Christian being like a strong tree and it's such a rich metaphor and, and, a, and a great theme throughout the whole Bible. And, you know, I thought I was just going just gonna to focus on that metaphor and build that up and talk about what it would be like uh, for, for us to be, you know, more and more rooted in Jesus. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I got the idea of immovable, like a big, massive tree. But the more I, I read through this whole passage and thought about it, the more something from this passage kind of came to light and, and made me feel like I should talk about it instead. Um, so, so here's what I want you to do. Is today or tomorrow or sometime soon enough that you won't forget? Uh, spend some time reading this passage, even if it's just those those two verses. Just take some time to think about what it would mean for you to be rooted and built up in Christ. What would it look like for your roots to be strong in Jesus? Spend some time reflecting on this passage and on what it could mean for your life and and where God's calling you to, and where you know um, and where He's calling you today. So spend some time praying about it and see where God takes that and see what God has to say to you. Um, so even though that would have been a, a good sermon, I think uh, it would be great to talk about, um, that's all I'm going to say about that, right? So what I actually want to talk about today is circumcision, and, uh, which is a great transition sentence in any situation of life. Believe me, all, it, it's great, anytime. Um, but no, I, I, I want to talk about why Paul's talking about it here. Right? Like why it comes up in so many of his letters and, and what's going on there. So why is, Paul always, why is Paul always talking about circumcision? Seems like all the time. He talks about it, I checked, in Galatians, Romans, First Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, Acts, and here in Colossians. Why is it such a big deal? Like, Paul, you're making everyone un- uncomfortable. Let it go. But, but no, it's, it's in the Bible for a reason. And it's important. So uh, let's read verses eleven to twelve again, which kind of talk about this. It says, "In him you were also you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead." Okay, so as with all of the Bible. Uh, before we can find out what this means to us, we need to first understand what it meant for Paul and the Church in Colossians at the time. And to do that, we actually need to look at the whole story of the Bible, what circumcision uh, means through the whole story, and um, what it meant in the Old Testament. So I'll give you the backstory. Uh, so in the in the Old Testament, in the first first book of the Bible, uh, the Old Testament is all the books before Jesus was born. Uh, God. Chose a covenant people, a chosen group of people, starting with this one man called Abraham. And God called Abraham, and, and he told Abraham that through his family line, God would bless the entire world. And his family line became Israel, uh, who were the now, like, or then the Jewish people. And in, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 to 3, we have God saying to Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. And then um, all the people on earth. Will be blessed through you. So the entire story of the Bible, and specifically also here in the Old Testament, is about the relationship between God and humanity being broken and God eventually restoring that relationship through Jesus. So in this promise to Abraham, God is beginning that path of restoring that relationship. So when he tells him, All the people on earth will be blessed through you, he is referring to Jesus. At that time, Abraham didn't know that, but God did. Um, And as the story progresses, there's this growing theme throughout the Old Testament of a Savior and a Messiah, as the Bible sometimes says. But the point here was that through Abraham's line, God would save the world. And through that covenant, he says, my covenant to you will be circumcision. And uh, that's pretty strange. (laughs) Granted, that's a fair assessment. It seems pretty weird. But... Let me explain it a little bit more. It's actually a symbol and a constant reminder that it would be from their line that a final savior would come to the world. And to make that a little bit more clear of the relationship between that, it was a physical sign on, their, on the male reproductive organs that this line was marked off for a specific purpose. So it does still seem a little weird, yeah, but nonetheless, it does make sense. And that's the covenant sign that God chose And he is smarter than me, so let's just roll with it, okay? So even after um, Jesus in the New Testament, there's still a lot of talk about circumcision. Like we see this covenant sign being kind of picked up and used as a metaphor for the heart, for the changed life. Circumcision is now this metaphor for the heart, you know, about removing sin and having a new heart. Like in the passage we're looking at, Colossians 2.11, it says, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. So circumcision moved from being a physical sign to a metaphor for the heart with circumcision no longer needing to happen. Now, what this is also showing is that if um, circumcision, if it's circumcision of the heart That needs to be done, then it's no longer just the Jewish people that have this promise of God and can be part of God's people. But the covenant and the relationship is open to everyone, it's open to all people. Okay, so that's the backstory. Are you still with me? I hope so. Um, Or are you thinking, "I, I really didn't come to church to learn the history of circumcision? That's fair. All right, so how does this apply to us? Okay, well, Now we know the backstory, so now we look at what the context was of circumcision in Paul's time as he's writing this letter to the church in Colossae. Paul seemed to be constantly fighting against uh, the idea of Jewish Christians uh, saying that people that convert to Christianity need to be circumcised. And in the Colossians church, this belief was a growing influence and pressure from Jewish Christians, Um, this this pressure to obey the, the law of not just circumcision, but all the laws of the Old Testament, right? So you have this actually through a lot of the Old Testament um, and in Acts, or sorry, we have this through a lot of the New Testament letters and through Acts, which is the book uh, that follows the story of the start of the church after Jesus um, returns to heaven. But uh, when you think about the Jewish Christian perspective, I kind of understand this mistake. Like, this is, this is a command in the Bible, after all, is it not? Like, it's still God's word. And um, the Jewish people were meant to be the chosen people. So to have a relationship with God, they had to be circumcised. And these Jewish Christians grew up trying to follow all the practices and laws of the Old Testament, or at the time it was just called the law or the Torah. But, um, you know, they believed that these laws would bring them closer to God. So it still makes sense why they think they'd be important and still think that they need to be followed. But what the Jewish Christians were actually saying by demanding that that non-Jewish people get circumcised, they were saying that Jesus' death and resurrection wasn't good enough and that people still had to do all the things that the Old Testament said to be a part of God's people. So they were actually taking away from what Jesus said. Had done on the cross. You know, we are accepted into God's family not because of the things we have done, uh, but because it's a free gift of grace. So when the Jewish people said that anyone who wants to be a Christian needs to be circumcised, they were putting the weight of all the laws um, of the Bible back onto the people, which is exactly what Jesus freed us from. Here are Paul's words in another letter, Galatians, dealing with the same issue Galatians 5 2 to 3, says, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. That's pretty strong, pretty strong wording. And what Paul ends up arguing uh, throughout Acts and different letters in the New Testament is that, one, like Jesus' death is death and resurrection is enough, that's final, we don't need to do anything uh, to receive that and to earn that, we just have to have faith. Two, he's saying if you get circumcised and teach circumcision, then you better obey every law in the Old Testament and you better be perfect, which he knows people can't do. And three, he's saying that, he teaches that the law is impossible to be perfect with, it's impossible to follow. The Jewish people had the law for thousands of years and they were never good enough right? And a lot of the time they were straight up evil and bad. But Paul is saying we can't be good enough to fulfill the laws of the Old Testament. That's why Jesus had to die. So Paul ends up fighting and fighting people that taught circumcision of Christians because it wasn't just about circumcision. It was about Jesus's sacrifice being final and enough. These Jewish Christians were placing upon people the impossible burden of trying to be good enough to earn your salvation which is not the way of Jesus. That's not what Jesus is about. And thinking about now, I I just thought like, man, too many times, pastors, preachers, entire Christian denominations, you know, Christian parents will take the Bible and will say, okay, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. but what are we doing in that moment when we're doing that? Well, I think we're doing the exact same thing that Paul is fighting against. We are putting the impossible burden of people on people of trying to be good enough to earn salvation. and we're saying that Jesus' death isn't enough. And a lot of the time, the pastors, churches, Christian parents who have done this are well-meaning. They are. Like, they, they want you, their church, or their children to be more like Jesus. That's a good thing. So a lot of the time, it comes from a good heart that's just it's misdirected in my mind. Instead of being shown, uh, instead of showing, like, a freeing relationship, they're just giving people an unforgiving and crushing rule book. And that's a hard line to walk, honestly. It is. Because... On one hand, we say you don't have to do anything for your salvation, and that's completely true. Like in Romans uh 3:24, it says, "But by the free gift of God's grace all are put right with him through Christ Jesus who sets them free." But then on the other hand, we need to be challenged as Christians to follow Jesus and actively try to model our lives after him. So then so then on the other hand, you have the you know the book of James saying, "Faith without works is dead." So it's this hard line and, you know, because we never want to teach people that they need to earn their salvation, but we also don't want to teach people that you can accept Jesus and say you're a Christian and then live your normal life however you want. So it, it all needs to come back to having a relationship with Jesus and following him as your teacher. But there is nothing you need to do to be good enough for that. There is no standard that you need to immediately live up to to be accepted as a Christian. Um, Jesus loves you just as you are, just as you are. And yes, he wants all of us to grow as we have a relationship with him. But right now, God loves you. Right now, God likes you and cares for you. And it's okay to be who you are, where you are. That's okay. And the next step is just to try and grow. The next step is to just learn at the feet of Jesus as your teacher. Uh, I was I was at my friend's cabin this past summer, and uh, close by we passed this fire hall, and they had they had one of those signs, you know, where the plastic letters just sort of slide in, and the sign said, I think its exact words were, "Be more, your community needs you." And I think "Be more" was on a line of its own, and we drove by and we just kind of we kind of laughed at it a bit, and but I just remember thinking, like, be more. What a terrible thing to put on a sign. Like, be more. Like, like I know we've heard enough of everyone, you know, recently saying, we'll all get through this together and we're all in this together, especially from celebrities or companies that just wanna take my money, but, you know, be more. It's like, hey, man, be better. <laughs> Dude, I'm trying my best over here, come on. Like, what an what a unhelpful and just crushing thing so put on a community sign. And then not too long ago, along the same lines, we, we as a pastoral staff were watching this preaching course and the pastor that teaches it talked about how he knows so many young adults and teenagers that that leave the church because they, they went to church their whole lives and all they ever heard is, you're not good enough. You know, be better. Because all they ever heard is, do this, do that, don't do that, don't do that. But those are the things that they... You know, the things that they're told not to do are the things that they wanted to do and vice versa. And then so all they ever feel like they're being told is they're not good enough. And they've been given all the rules, but they haven't been taught how to have a relationship with Jesus. You know They haven't been taught how to follow in his way. Uh, all they've ever heard is be better because you're not good enough. And sometimes the church's message has been like that sign I saw that's just be more be better. And that's not what it should be. That's not what it should be at all. It should be, hey, you're messed up. Yeah, same. same. That's okay. But you you know, you're loved and you don't need to be better because Jesus was perfect for us. And all, all we need to do is to be in a relationship with him. So kids, youth, young adults, I hope you're listening. And I, I hope that you hear this from our church. And, and also, adults, maybe you need to hear this too. Maybe you've never heard this or let, or let it um, sink in. This is what you should know. You are good enough. You are enough. Not because you're perfect, but because God loves you. Because God died for you. And, and he did that for you just as you are. Not for the you that, that might be better one day, But for the you now and the you at your worst, you are loved. Sometimes you just need to hear that and let that sink in. You are loved. You're made in God's image. You're called his son and daughter. You don't have to be good enough because Jesus was. You don't have to carry your sins as a burden because Jesus did that for you. Now, all he wants, the only thing he wants, is for you to have a relationship with him. That's all. You don't need to earn his love. You don't need to follow a rule book to be good enough. A relationship with Jesus is freeing. So step into a relationship and leave religion behind. Donald Miller had, a, had an interesting quote in his book, Blue Like Jazz. He said, I believe the greatest trick of the devil is to not get us into some sort of evil, but rather have us wasting time. That is why the devil tries so hard to get Christians to be religious. If he can sink man's mind into habit, he will prevent his heart from engaging with God. We need to leave religion behind. It's not helpful. It's not what God wants for us. And I actually just want to speak to the parents right now. Everyone else... There still might be some good teaching that you can learn from, but this is directed to parents who are raising kids. So parents, you need to know how much of an impact you have on your kid's faith. You are going to be the most important um, most important teacher and role model in this. It's not going to be me or their kid's pastor or youth pastor or another pastor or a teacher. That role of spiritual leader is going to be you, and it's not going to be something that you can hand off. You are the most important model of a relationship with Jesus that your kids will see. And whether you want to or not, you are pastoring your kids 24-7. The faith that you model is going to have the greatest impact on them, whether that's good or bad. So here's some tips from, granted, someone who doesn't know anything about parenting, um, but I'm taking these lessons from from the Bible and applying them to parenting. And this is not out of a judgmental heart at all. This is out of a heart that does not wanna see our kids and youth grow up and then leave the church at 18. I wanna see them flourish and grow in their relationship with Jesus. And you know, and that is happening around here. And it's, it's so exciting when I hear those stories. I've heard some recently from youth and kids ministry and it's just amazing. But we wanna keep growing there. So here, here are some tips that I, I think, just some things to think about. So as pastors, we don't we shouldn't be making the Bible into a rule book, so don't do that in your homes either. Uh, you know, personally, I don't think parents should ever say because I said so as the first reason um, for, you know, if your kid's arguing or something. I think it just stunts any open conversation um, between you and your children And I just, I don't think it's good parenting or effective. I think it's much better uh, to explain, you know, why you have specific rules and um, explain that to your kid and and actually listen to them and have a conversation. And you know what? Then sometimes kids are going to be bad if they're still fighting and and making a fuss. Then you can say, okay, it's because I'm the adult, I'm your parent. And that's, I think that's fair. But in the same way, don't, I don't think we should be putting down rules as parents and just say, because the Bible says so and just shrug it off. Because what are we doing there? You know, you're at that moment, you're making the Bible a rule book and that's all it will be to them. You're making it feel oppressive and same as the Jewish Christians telling people to obey all the laws of the Old Testament, you're giving your kids an impossible standard to live up to. Why would they then want to read the Bible? Why would they want to be a Christian if it's just a rule book? That's not what Christianity is about. It's empty that way it's never going to change their hearts that way. And we see that through the story of the Israelites. You know, they had all the right rules and the laws so that they could have a relationship with God, but they could never actually achieve it. This is why Jesus came to free us from that. So here's the thing. If you're telling your kids, don't drink, uh, don't do drugs, don't have sex, whatever else the Bible says, but you don't teach them how to pray, you don't teach them how to read the Bible, you don't model a relationship with Jesus to to them, then you're missing the mark by a mile. Okay, because what are you doing in that moment? You're only putting the weight of an impossible standard on them. And they're probably just going to end up leaving the church because they just see it as oppressive and they see the Bible and Christianity is just crushing Arthur Schopenhauer um, is a German philosopher from like 200 years ago, and I don't know where I heard this quote, but it was in my head, and I googled it. It is real, but <laughs> anyway, um, he said, "Man can do what he wills, but he cannot will what he wills." Now, this was—he's uh, not a Christian. This this was more discussion on free will, but it fits it fits right here. He's saying you know, we can do what we want, we have free will, but we cannot change. What we want to do. And as a Christian, I believe that, yeah, we have these natural desires. We have a sin nature. That's what the Bible tells us, that no matter how hard we try, we can't change what we want to do. And that's why Mark Clark, who's a, who's a pastor in Vancouver, stresses that following Jesus is not about changing what you do, but it's about drawing closer to Jesus and letting him change what you want to do which will then change what you do. And it's the same for your kids. It's not about just cha- just shaping what they do and the choices that they can make under, you know, your guidance. It's about helping them draw closer to Jesus so that their hearts will actually change what they want to do. That's what it needs to be. And I'm not saying don't have rules for your kids and and you know don't give them rules that are from the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. I, th- I think you should because if they follow them, they won't make mistakes that they'll regret later and I'm absolutely convinced that uh, living the way Jesus teaches is the best way for us to live and the most fulfilling life that they can live. But, but be able to explain why the Bible teaches this. You know, and, and here's the thing also, more important than just putting rules in place and trying to protect your kids from sin and bad choices, more important than that is to teach them to have a relationship with Jesus. It's more important that they know Jesus personally than it is um, that they follow all the good rules that you want them to follow. Are you praying with them? Are you showing them how to pray and to listen to hear God's voice and <clears throat> so that they can experience God's presence Are you, you know, so that they can uh, see God answer prayers? Are you showing them how to read the Bible so they can know God through his word? Are you teaching them to memorize verses so, you know, that it's in their minds and their hearts? And like keep doing that through their teenage years. Talk about Jesus more than you talk about sports or news. Make Jesus the center of your family. Pursuing a relationship with Jesus has to be the most important thing in your homes, not the do's and don'ts of religion. So, back to, addressing, back to addressing everyone. We need to focus on a relationship with Jesus and not just the rules of the Bible. And we need to realize that a relationship is freeing, yes, absolutely, compared to religion, yeah, Relationship is freeing, but it's still work. There's still work for a relationship. So we come to this tension here, as there are in many parts of Christianity, as I kind of mentioned earlier. You know, you don't have to work to earn your salvation, to be good enough, but you do have to work to put, you do have to put in work for a relationship, right? For any relationship. You need to spend time together. And for a deep relationship, you need to spend time alone together. Just you and, sorry, just you and God. Read your Bible, pray. You know, you need to be growing. So let's be growing. Maybe maybe you're here today and you haven't read your Bible in years or ever and haven't prayed in a long time or ever. And again, it's okay to be where you are. That's okay. But, But just start where you're at. Start with one chapter of the Bible a day and five minutes of prayer. And go from there. Okay? Like, that's, that's 10 minutes at, at most. And let me tell you, those, those 10 minutes are so much better than, than zero minutes. Okay? You don't need to be reading your Bible 10 chapters a, a, a night. Again, if you put that on yourself, you're putting religion on yourself and you're crushing, you know, when you fail. It's just, it's crushing. So start where you're at. It's okay to have five minutes, 10 minutes with God. It's better than nothing. And I I believe everyone can find 10 minutes in their day. The average person is on their phone or watching TV six to seven hours a day. Um, So everyone can find 10 minutes, even if it means stopping 10 minutes of something that you like and is good and trading it for something better. Okay, start there. And uh, if you really want a relationship with him, you may need to reorder some things in your life and that's okay, that's good. But, But you can't just try to do what you think the Bible teaches and reject a relationship with Jesus. You can't do that because you can't be perfect enough to save you. You can't be perfect, which is is the only way to God, actually. But that's why Jesus was perfect for us. That's why Jesus is the only way to God. So pursue a relationship. Read God's word. Pray, And, and by pray, I mean have a conversation. It's good and, and and it's okay to ask God for things, but also listen. Share with him. Be honest about, about who you are and what you're going through. Not that God doesn't know, but we actually need to let ourselves be honest with him and to be completely vulnerable, to let God in. And you know, of course, there's a lot of things I could say that we could be doing better to be more like Jesus. And that, you know, maybe someday you will do these things, but wherever you're at, start there. That's all I'm saying. Grow from there. Maybe um, that is, you know, going to be a little bit of Bible reading and prayer, or maybe a little bit more of what you've been doing. That's awesome, okay? And maybe you already have that handled, but you don't have anyone to grow with, and find community. Maybe you have those, but you aren't, you aren't giving, and um, you're kind of living selfishly. Well, then start giving generously. Start giving a little bit. Give to the church. Give to people you know who are needy and could, and could use it. Uh, give your time to um, good causes or to Eaglemont as we're trying to spread the gospel. You know, wherever you're at and whatever it is, Jesus is only asking you to take a step in following him. So if, if something comes to mind, write it down and, and set yourself reminders or whatever it takes, but pursue that and grow in that relationship with God. The relationship with God is is personal in just when it's just you and him together praying or reading the, the his word, but it's also every part of our lives. Everything you do is either taking away from or or building to a relationship with God. So whatever it is, I just encourage you to grow today. You know, and and maybe for you, that step today is actually accepting Jesus into your heart and starting a relationship with Jesus. And I'd be so excited if that's you today. So later, I just if that's you, we're gonna pray and I just ask you to pray with me. But also after, text the, the number that you'll see and just let us know because we wanna help you grow in that. We wanna help you be rooted in Jesus and to, and to continually grow in that, to be a part of the Eagle Moth family. So um, wherever you're at, Let's just pray today, okay? Open up your hearts with me. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. God, I know I'm sinful and I could never be good enough to earn your love or to earn a place with you forever. So I thank you that Jesus died on a cross and rose again for me. And right now, God, I just, accept having, I just accept you into my heart and I accept this relationship that I want to have with you and I just ask that you help me grow every day and just continue to work in my life and use me in amazing ways. Thank you, God. And Jesus, I just pray for Eagleman. I just pray for our family online, wherever they're at. God, just be with them as they go about their week, and just continually draw them closer to you in this relationship that you want to have with them. May it be freeing and, and not um, something that, that feels like it's this heavy weight, God, but lift that weight off of people. Help it to be this amazing relationship. God, we just pray that you bless this church and that you continue to do your work no matter what the season of life we're in, no matter what's going on in the world, you are doing your work and you are so powerful and amazing. So God, we just thank you for this day. Amen.